0: Good evening, uh, church, Uh, another Wednesday night. It's not very long, and with no outbreaks uh, so far and praying for none, we'll be together on a Wednesday night with our Wednesday night activities, and so uh, be praying for the teachers and as we gear up for things to go smoothly. Uh, Let's begin tonight uh, with a word of prayer. Father, we thank you for tonight, and we ask you to be with us. We ask that you remove those things from our minds and hearts would keep us from receiving your word and obeying your word. Holy Spirit, you move among us and help us to make decisions that will please and honor you. These things I pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Tonight we're going to look at a, another familiar passage of Scripture. and it, It's from Genesis chapter 32. Genesis chapter 32, beginning... Uh, with uh, verse 24, and it's uh, entitled From the Supplanter to the Prince. From the Supplanter to the Prince. Let's look at this passage of Scripture beginning, and I'm going to read, uh, begin with verse 22. And Jacob arose that night and took his two wives, his two female servants, and his eleven sons, and crossed over the ford of Jabbok. And he sent took them and sent them over the brook and sent over what he had. Then Jacob was left alone. That's very important. Then Jacob was left alone. And a man wrestled with him until the breaking of the day. Now when he saw that he did not prevail against him, he touched the socket of his hip and the socket of Jacob's hip was out of joint as he wrestled with him. And he said, let me go for the day breaks. But he said, I will not let you go unless you bless me. So he said to him, what is your name? And he said, Jacob. And he said, your name shall no longer be called Jacob, but Israel, for you have struggled with God, with men, and have prevailed. Then Jacob asked, saying, tell me your name, I pray. And he asked, why is it that you ask about my name? And he blessed him there. So Jacob called the name of the place Penel, for I've seen God face to face, and my life is preserved. And just as he crossed over Peniel, the sun rose on him, and he lived on his hip. Therefore to this day the children of Israel did not eat the muscle that shrank, which is on the hip of the socket, because he touched the socket of Jacob's hip in the muscle that shrank. Now, what I... See, is the main truth of this passage is very simple. When we encounter God, when we encounter God, it changes us. For some, it changes them for the better. For some, for the worse. It is our response to God. It means that we're changed for the better when we surrender to God, his ways, his purposes, and of that personal relationship with Him in Jesus Christ. Uh, it changes us for the worse if we reject Christ and we move on and try to do our own thing. It hardens our heart to the ways, the purposes, the plans of God. But when we encounter God, it always changes us. And so let's remember just a few things. I wanted to start uh, with Roman numeral number one of Jacob's biography or, or Jacob's background, however you want to say it. What do we know about Jacob. Jacob's very name means supplanter, it means trickster. When he came out, he was a twin brother, and his brother's name was Esau. And when he came out, he had a hold of Esau's hill. He, 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 it signified that he was going to trip his brother up throughout their whole lives. He was going to supplant his brother. The older always got the biggest share, like two-thirds of the family's wealth. He was always the head, and yet, Jacob, being the trickster, uh, tricked him out of his uh, birthright, out of his blessing later on. In other words, he, he took what was rightfully his brothers and by a trick he, he sold it for a bowl of soup because Jacob uh, tricked him. And then he tricked his father into blessing him and receiving the blessing of the older son. Okay. Now then, as Jacob runs from this situation, because his brother uh, seethed and was angry and and said, I'll kill him. As he runs away, uh, his mother sent him to her, her brother Laban, his uncle. And Laban turned the tables on Jacob. He Cheated him out of his wages. He tricked him into marrying Leah instead of Rachel. He had 12 sons. The 12 tribes of Israel are named after these 12 men. We know that later he, he settled in uh, Egypt and uh, re- was reunited with his favorite son, Joseph. And uh, uh, he died in Egypt, but they took him back and buried him in the promised land. And that's just a little of the background. Now, there's a lot of things in there you don't don't get, but the family dynamic was messed up. The family dynamic was one of favoritism. The family dynamic was that Esau was his father's favorite and that he was his mother's favorite, all right? And we need to understand that, okay? And so what characteristics do we see in Jacob's life? Uh... First of all, I think it was influenced by his parental influence. His father uh, really uh, showed a lot of cowardice by not standing up to what his mother did to him. He, he showed a lot of cowardice in the way that he lived, you know, running uh, um, and going places just like, his, like Abraham had done and saying, this is my sister and not my wife. He was, he, he was full of deceit and cowardice. And it stems from unbelief a little bit in that God wasn't sufficient to take care of him, even though Isaac knew better than that. His mother was shrewd. She took the initiative. She was resourceful. It was her idea to put uh, the uh, goat's hair on her son's arm so he would feel like Esau, the brother, and to wear the brother's clothes so he would smell like Esau to trick his daddy. He inherited those characteristics that's uh some of the things that he did but they, they were parental things that influenced him but then there were outer things that he, he held to i think outwardly that he valued the promises of god in other words uh, he valued the blessing of god he 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 valued uh, uh, and that became his supreme ambition to be rich to be wealthy to do those things that that god had intended for him anyway he met uh god in a special way at, Bethel, where he slept on a stone and he saw the angel ascending and descending from uh, the ladder. He said, I didn't know God was in this place and we'll call it Bethel, the house of God, the house of bread. And outwardly, uh, that became his driving force was that, God would bless him, He would grab a hold of God's blessing, He would accomplish all the things that he wanted to accomplish. And, and it really influenced uh, everything he did, it influenced his very children, his relationship with his wives, all that he did. But when we come to this passage, we find that he's going home to face the brother he had treated so awfully uh, to face uh, what he had done. And this passage, where it says in Genesis 32, verse 24, then Jacob was left alone, and a man wrestled with him until the breaking of the day. This uh, is really the greatest test for Jacob. You see, how much did Jacob really want what God had for him? How much was he willing to surrender to receive God's blessing? How much could he do? It said that he wrestled with him all night long. Uh, Jacob must have been a man of my mind is not quite catching it but he's, he, he's a man that was used to doing it for himself. He was a man evidently of great strength and fortitude. He was a man that was used to living by his wits and by his physicality. Uh, he, he was a man that Uh, took advantage of others at every chance that he got. But he was a man that that knew, ultimately, he had to learn that it was God who was blessing him. And if he really wanted the blessing from God, this was his test. How long would he hang on? Even if it cost him a life, because it says that the man he wrestled with, and I think it's the pre-incarnate Jesus, the one he wrestled with, Uh, said, let me go for it's breaking day. Well, what was so important about that? You could not see God face to face and live. And so when he's in the dark and he's alone and he's wrestling with God, it's for the favor of God. Did that mean more than life itself? There are times when we need to wrestle with God in prayer. There are times it's not that God does not want to bless us. It's not that we can change His will. It's not that uh, somehow we have to beg and borrow and, and do these things to get God to listen. But God wants to know are we serious about following Him? Are we willing to come to that point of the end of ourselves and surrender to His will? Are we really willing to um recognize, to submit that we can't do it on our own because as long as we can do it, we don't depend on God to do it. As long as we can do it, oftentimes God is not in it. Are we really willing to get down and wrestle with God in prayer till he changes us and we allow that to happen where our wills become subservient, submissive to His will, because He knows us, He loves us, He has our best interests at heart, and we believe God. Do we understand that? And those are some of the characteristics, both on the inside and the outside, that are warring within Jacob. And then we come to the transformation of Jacob. The transformation of Jacob. And uh, in verse 26, this man he's wrestling with said, "Let me go for daybreaks." But he said, "I will not let you go unless you bless me." He said to him, "What is your name?" He said, "Jacob." He said, "Your name shall no longer be called Jacob, but Israel, for you have struggled with God and with men and prevailed." And <clears throat> you see, he he. Is grabbing hold of this guy. By this time, the wrath of match is more of just Jacob hanging on because he's touched his hip. His hip is out of socket. His hip is shrunk. From now on, Jacob, the strong one, Jacob that used to be living by Jacob, the man uh, who was strong enough to have two wives and, and at this point, 11 sons, and, and Jacob is going to walk with a limp from now on. Uh, what it took to transform him from the supplanter, the trickster, uh, to the prince, the father of many nations, to the one who is now Israel, who has wrestled with God and man and prevailed because of God's blessings. He is transformed by sorrow. What do I mean by that? By this point, he's been with Laban and away from his mom and dad and his brother almost 20 years. It's been a long, hard exile. It's been filled with disappointment. It's been filled with hardship. It's been filled with pain. Uh, He's gone through the valley of the passions of greed and anger and hate and lust and envy because of the things that uh, Laban had done to him. Everything that he had done to Jacob and everyone else around him, he reaped that again. And so it was one of sorrow. But divine providence had also shaped his life. I think the Lord in all this was teaching Jacob to rely on divine power and guidance. And to accept God's will for his life. I think the last thing that transformed Jacob was God's grace. Let me explain it. Jacob received God's grace even when he didn't deserve it. Isn't that what grace is? Not getting what we deserve, but getting what we don't deserve. And for us, the same thing is true. It's not. See, grace is unmerited. It's not what we've done or what we'll do in the future. It's just simply God lavishing His love upon us. All these years, Jacob had not been struggling against Esau. Jacob had not been struggling against his father. Jacob had not been struggling been struggling against even his father-in-law Laban or against his two wives who, who sort of stretched him back and forth, all right? All these years, Jacob had really been struggling against accepting submission to God. And this night, he wrestled all night. His hip was out of socket. He held on. And the breaking of the day, There was mercy on Jacob. He said, what is your name? My name is Jacob the trickster, the planter. Your name is no longer Jacob, but Israel, the prince, the one who has wrestled against God and man. And because of God's grace, you have prevailed. We don't deserve God's blessings. We don't deserve God's Uh, grace, but God gives it to us. We understand that when we yield to God, we find victory. When we yield to God, we recognize His supremacy. When we yield to God, we discover a thing called importunity, which means persistence. We're blessed in our persistence. We're blessed in believing God. We're blessed as we walk with Him. In faith, our life is changed. We may not be perfect, but in these experiences, we will never, ever be the same when we experience God. And Jacob, now Israel, will never, ever be the same. So what are the lessons we can learn from this? the first lesson again we've mentioned it is reaping and sowing we cannot escape that Paul in Galatians says do not be deceived brethren whatever man sows that shall he also reap if he sows to the flesh of the flesh will be corruption death but if he sows to the spirit he will reap life everlasting the things that we do in the flesh are not what lasts. The things that we do uh, according to our own will, our own power, are not what impacts eternity. We need to understand that the things that are done by God's grace, uh, by the Spirit working through us, we need to understand those are the things that last. You see, we either sow for a heartache or we sow For a blessing. See, everything Jacob had done in his life to trick his brother, his father, came back to haunt him in the person of Laban, his father-in-law, reaping and sowing. The second lesson is God's grace. Jacob actually did pray at times, usually times of crisis is when we see him praying. But even then, God delivered him. Grace, again, is not related to merit on our part. Grace is simply God lavishing his love upon us. You think about his first experience in God, at a place called Bethel. It's in Genesis 28. Uh, do we understand that? Uh, he picked up his feet... Uh, and he went to Bethel and he sl- stayed there it's the house of God he was amazed at the moment when he woke up from seeing that dream the angels ascending and descending and he picks up his feet and he goes on telling God if you'll let me come back and you'll bless me and bring me back safely to my mother and father my family then I will serve you but you notice there's the ifs there grace Service to God is not based on ifs. Service to God is based on, if not, I'm still going to serve you. See, service to God, surrender to God, is based simply on that. Surrender. Submission. There's a difference between, if you do this for me, God, and if you do that for me, then I'll do this. Or are we like the great prophet Daniel's friends Shadrach, Meshach and Abednego we remember you know they're thrown in the fiery furnace and, and we forget to read that story completely because it says this the Babylonian king Nebuchadnezzar looks at them and says if you don't bow down and worship me I'm going to throw you in the fiery furnace and who's going to help you now and they say "O oh, king our God can but if not we're still not going to fall down and worship you. If not, we still have faith in our God. If not, we're still going to worship and serve Him alone. We need a lot more if-nots in our own lives. If not God, it's still okay. If not God, I still believe you. If not God, I still follow you. If not God, I trust in your amazing grace, placing my faith in you. And so that's the way he leaves his mom and dad. What's the next experience? The next experience is at Penuel. j box is what some translations call it. It's in Genesis 32. He's alone. He's crippled. He walks away physically weak, but spiritually strong finally trusting in god still fearful but trusting as he sends presents to try to pacify esau his brother when he hears from some servants he sent before him that esau is coming with 400 men he bows down to his brother his brother said i don't need all this he said you take it i have plenty and his brother embraces him and they fought on each other, crying. It was a heartfelt reunion only by the grace of God. And that's what we need in our life. We need to remember sowing and ripping. We need to remember God's grace. We need to remember God's forgiveness. God's forgiveness is not limited. God's forgiveness is not incomplete. God's forgiveness is for all of our sins. God's forgiveness as we surrender to him is this. In 1 John 1, 9, he says, if we confess our sins, he, God, is faithful and just to forgive us all of our sins and cleanse us of all unrighteousness. Praise the Lord. But it takes that faith walk. I said earlier, you know, that it says it's a man, he's wrestling on something, it's an angel, or whatever. I think it's the pre-incarnate Christ in a form that Jacob would understand. Now, it's dark enough, he can't see his face. You can't see God face to face and live. But at any moment, he could have broken Jacob's arms. He could have won the battle easy, but it was, are you going to believe me, Jacob? Are you gonna believe me, Jacob? Are you gonna to surrender to me? even to the point of touching his hip so that it's out of place. In the pain, you're still going to wrestle with me. In the pain, you learn to trust in me. In the pain, though you are weak, I am still strong. In the pain, you can overcome because I have changed your name from the supplanter, the trickster, to the prince, Israel. The prince of many nations, the one who wrestled with God and with man and has prevailed but Jacob you've prevailed by my grace so rise up Israel and walk in new in a new life when we accept Christ we have newness of life the Holy Spirit touches us we ask for forgiveness we are forgiven by the blood of Jesus washed thoroughly That's why the Bible says, if anyone is in Christ Jesus, they are a new creature. Old things have passed away. Behold, all things have become new. And this is a physical picture, what happens to us spiritually when we accept Christ. It's sort of a type from the Old Testament that ultimately is fulfilled in Jesus Christ and forgiveness in him. If you need that kind of forgiveness, I encourage you tonight to accept Jesus as your personal Lord and Savior. If you know Christ as Lord and Savior, but you need to surrender to Him anew in rededication, I encourage you to pray that prayer and come back to Him for a freshness. If you need other decisions and to surrender some burdens, then remember that lesson. His grace is sufficient. Have a good evening. We'll see you next time. We're almost there. Pray that God brings it to pass by his grace. Good night.